Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, a lot of jab-related stuff in this particular episode, and a lot of things to read and certainly discuss and kind of break down, because, uh, again, with the, with the school year coming up very close here, this is going to get worse in my estimation. And I've written about this most recently in my latest Substack article on the American classroom, which I highly recommend you check out. It is titled The Zutzfing of American Education, Why Institutionalized Education's Next Move Will Be Their Last. There's a particular article in that that I highlight that I certainly want to read in its entirety and break down because there's a lot to break down in it. And again, it's very, very telling. And of course, because we are awake and we know what's going on, we can read what the unawake are writing and what they're saying. And we can see the entire playing field and exactly what's happening. And unfortunately, they cannot. They have no idea what they have done. They have no idea what they're going to do. And they have no idea that whatever move they make next is going to be their last. And it's putting all of these individuals, all these institutions, um, in peril, frankly. And I'm fine with that, but a lot of good people are going to lose their jobs who are unjabbed also. We have to keep that in mind. Because again, this is, this is just going to be a collapse the likes of which that um, we've never seen before, I believe. And uh, I think that's going to be the case with, with everyone. But before I get into that, that particular article, I do want to make one correction from a previous episode. A couple of episodes ago, I mentioned that a friend of mine had had a conversation with Sheriff Jones, <clears throat> excuse me, in the county where I live. Turns out it wasn't, the, it wasn't Sheriff Jones that they had uh, a conversation with. It was Chief Jones, and Chief Jones is the chief of police in the town where I live. Uh, so he, in fact, was the individual who apparently got back from vacation and was ill. And the reason he's ill is because he's jabbed, if I had to take a guess. Because, again, the city council where I live basically mandated the jabs, although they weren't mandatory, but people did them anyway because they're asleep and they don't know what's going on, for all city workers, including all of the police. So, again... What percentage of all the city workers and what percentage of all of the police actually took the shots? I don't know. I don't know that exact breakdown. But what I do know is that, as I've sort of jokingly said in the past, I might end up being the mayor, the chief of police, and the superintendent in the exact same town because if they're all jabbed, and they probably all are, then, uh, you know, I don't know how long they have. We know they're ticking time bombs for blood clots and countless other things, and they certainly have AIDS. But that's that. So I personally think, though, again, in that same line, that that's just going to continue to be remarkably problematic going forward with these law enforcement agencies in the towns and cities where we live. Again, if they're jabbed, they're in deep trouble. And again, <clears throat> unfortunately, the narrative that's out there is that these new strains and variants of COVID are more contagious and people need to get back to wearing masks and this, that, and the other. If these individuals are so stupid that they actually re-implement, again, whether they be city councils, uh, you know, school boards, or even police themselves, and start to enforce or double down on their enforcement of anything related to any of that, I don't think that they are prepared for the pushback that is going to occur because, again, excuse me, the pushback is going to be massive. If we thought that it was big the last time that they tried all of this nonsense, and unfortunately, many, many just went along with it the very first time, but then it got old for, for even those people. And they said, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm not wearing the mask anymore, even though that they were multiple shots deep by that point. The question remains now is what will happen going forward if they try to pull all of this one more time? Because, again, in my estimation, they're going to. Which ultimately now leads me to this article. And uh, this comes from the Chicago Tribune. 
And again, this particular story, I believe, was sent to me by Jesse James and others like it. And there's another like it that specifically deals with the teacher shortage in K-12 schools within Illinois, which I'm, go I'm going to bounce around that particular article later on and, uh, and highlight some of the things there. But again, this particular article comes from the Chicago Tribune, and it's titled, Colleges, Students Respond to End of Governor J.B. Pritzker's COVID Vaccine Mandate. And it's not quite what you would think. In fact, again, because it's in the Chicago Tribune, it's basically making fun of the people who are not vaccinated. And it's making fun of the people who do not wear masks. Um, and then it shows, and we'll highlight, as you'll hear in a minute, that it, it basically highlights how all of these colleges are now between a rock and a hard place, which again is the basis for the Substack article. Is again, I, there's a few sections in this article specifically that I highlight in the Substack article, but I want to get into this right now. And this is really jacked up. It says the following, quote, when the new school year starts this fall, whether Illinois college students and faculty will be surrounded by vaccinated classmates and colleagues will largely depend on where they are enrolled. Governor J.B. Pritzker on Wednesday announced an end to a statewide COVID-19 vaccine mandate for college students and faculty, essentially leaving the policy up to individual schools. On Thursday, some local colleges and universities were still grappling with the decision while others came down on opposite sides. Now, very quickly here, as you heard me say in the past, if you have college students and university students now, and even faculty themselves, and staff members and food service workers and custodial staff, et cetera, et cetera, if all of these individuals felt obligated to take the jabs, the first time around, and now all of the sudden, the curtain has been lifted, and it's no longer mandatory. People should be asking themselves why. Why is it all of the sudden not a statewide mandate, quote-unquote, which was illegal from the start? Why is it all of the sudden gone? Is it gone because of lawsuits? Probably. It's also probably gone because of low enrollment. The enrollment within these institutions has plummeted dramatically, and them staying afloat is not likely going to happen. Again, regardless of the decision that is made now, because they have been placed in a position where they have to respond one way or another, and either response is going to be their downfall. So it, it really won't matter what they decide. Um, not to mention, as I also say in the Substack article, it's, it's openly exposed, hopefully, to these students, staff, etc., that they've been tricked. And they've actually been tricked now to death because the very thing that they've injected into themselves based on an illegal mandate now apparently is gone. Although now it depends on the institution. See, the state doesn't want to get sued, but the institutions themselves are in such a vice grip here that regardless, again, of what they decide, if they do it, well, they're going to get sued. If they don't, well, they could get sued. Because, again, you're <laughs> it's just so, it's so, there's so many scenarios here that I'm, I'm not even sure I can break them all down. Um, as a college student, why would you not feel tricked? Why would you not feel like this was the greatest deception that has been played on you by an institution? Again, I'm not talking about the, the propaganda curriculum and the indoctrination. All of that is to the side here. This is solely about the coercion, the jabs, the threatening, the testing, all of it. None of which works. None of it works. The masks don't work. The jabs don't work, although they work based on their intended reason. The testing doesn't work. The distancing doesn't work. None of it works. But these people think that it does. 
the people that still run these institutions do. They're so deep now in their own lie that they have almost no choice but to either double down, because if they don't, they'll look even more incompetent than they already are. Again, they've backed themselves into a position that, re, that, that will require them to act and move, but they will not be able to. Um, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling here. It continues, it says, Pritzker announced the move, along with other policy changes meant to carefully unwind COVID-19 policies and mandates that have been in place throughout the pandemic. Despite growing concerns about new coronavirus variants, oh no, variants are fake too. Everything about this is a lie. That appear more able to evade immunity. This is, this is hilarious. Variants that evade immunity. This is, again, a direct implication that the shots themselves are what is killing people. And when someone has AIDS and a destroyed, permanent, permanently destroyed, rather, immune system, it's game over for them. They will consistently get sick. And then, of course, who will they blame and what will they blame? They're going to start blaming the unvaccinated. They're going to blame the the, the non-mask wearers. We've read those posts online before that are absolutely hilarious. I was around a, a person not wearing a mask. That's why I'm sick. Thank God for my third or fourth shot. It's, it, it's incredible. It continues. Northwestern University plans to push forward with its already announced vaccine mandate for the upcoming academic year, but, quote, will continue to adapt their own policies and procedures, I'm sorry, protocols, following the advice of public health and their own medical experts, according to a university spokesperson. These university spokespeople, I'm telling you what, they're going to throw themselves off of a bridge when this whole thing is, is over with. They, they aren't going to make it. This is where it gets jacked up, too, because now we're talking to a college student. It says the following, quote, This was a relief to Zoe Lewis, a rising sophomore at the university. Quote, People don't mask on campus like they should, especially in classes, Lewis said. Quote, People are in econ classes with 300-person lectures. And to have the possibility of not only people in there not being masked, but people in there not having vaccines on top of it is going to cause widespread havoc in communities with these colleges. Zoe Lewis is going to die. Zoe Lewis will not survive. Every word that she just said in this piece, the exact opposite is the truth. Every single word, individually, collectively in a sentence, multiple sentences into a paragraph, the, the quote she just said that I just read, every word is a lie, and it will be the cause of her death, because she believes things that are not real. It then says, Lewis has asthma, and stressed how critical vaccine mandates can be for the health of immunocompromised students on college campuses. Despite Northwestern's, oh my God, despite Northwestern's decision to continue with its vaccine mandate, Lewis noted a sense of anxiety, quote unquote, over returning to Northwestern's campus without a mask mandate. And they have a picture of Zoe. Zoe is not thin. Zoe does not look like she is in good health. Zoe, at the very least, is double or triple jabbed and is a chronic mask wearer. Zoe will not survive. She, of course, has no idea. And again, the word immunocompromised, that she stressed how critical it is to have vaccine mandates for the health of the immunocompromised Zoe. The shots have made you immunocompromised. You have AIDS now. Again, every word that she says and that is written in this, the exact opposite is true. It continues. 
Uh, let's see. Strongly encourages spokesperson said the University of Illinois system hadn't made a decision yet on Thursday regarding the vaccine policy on its three campuses, saying in a statement that it is still evaluating, quote, how the updated COVID-19 mitigation requirements will impact our three universities. Allow me to help. Here's exactly what will happen. You will have individuals who are still attending who are jabbed, and all of your clinics, health clinics, quote-unquote, which is just a sick care clinic, will be packed to the gills. Your local hospitals will be packed to the gills. And countless people will leave because they don't want to play your games anymore. The unjabbed will never attend because they know better. And you will have more stories that you will have to cover up of students dying in the middle of class, which, by the way, we have yet to see the, those. We have yet to see that footage, do we not? Is this, is this video footage that we have seen? And I'm asking this question. Have we seen college students drop dead in the middle of a college class in the United States? It's mathematically impossible that that has not happened. I'm certain it's happened. Again, the question is, is, is it on film and then bouncing around the internet for us to see? Again, I'm not making fun of these people, I'm, I'm, and I'm not you know, cheering this on. I'm simply saying that students dropping dead in a college class has to be a thing that has, in fact, happened. It, it has to be. Again, these, these universities are in deep, deep trouble. Uh, it says, quote, the health and well-being of the people on our campuses will drive our decisions, unquote. The statement read. Again, that quotation by itself is the dead giveaway that they have no idea what they have done and are doing. They're going to misrepresent and interpret falsely six students who are jabbed as being a new COVID variant which it will not be. It will simply be the jabbed dying and getting ill because they have no immune system anymore. Absolutely incredible. And lest, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, lest we forget about the shedding as well. This is an ongoing thing. This is still happening too. It continues, it says, among schools that have not yet announced a policy were the University of Chicago and DePaul University, which said it was, it was still considering its plans for the upcoming school year. But we know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. They fall like dominoes in their decision-making. If five of the colleges say we need, we need jabs and masks and whatever else, the rest will do the same. They just will. It says Columbia College in Chicago plans to continue to require students and faculty members to be vaccinated, said Lambrini Lacudis. I no chance I get that name. A spokesperson for the college. Again, Lambrini's not going to make it. She's, <laughs> she's not going to make it. Spokesper spokespeople for college is akin to professional suicide. I mean, honest to God. What was your previous uh, what was your previous line of employment? Well, I was a spokesperson for a college during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, they might as well just say professionally brainwashed liar. It says, quote, I think we've been a bit stricter with some of our COVID mitigations, she said. Part of what drives the decision, she said, is the type of instruction at Columbia College, which is primarily theater, music, and dance and other arts. Quote, we feel that having the vaccine is an added precaution for our campus community. It continues here and it says Loyola University and Roosevelt University also said officials plan to require vaccines for students, faculty, and staff during the upcoming year. They're not going to make it. Pritzker's tweaks to pandemic rules come in the wake of complaints and lawsuits by conservatives claiming the governor overstepped his authority. Many of the illegal challenge, many of the sorry legal challenges to the rules were filed by attorney Thomas DeVore 
who is now the Republican nominee for attorney general, though all of those lawsuits have ultimately been unsuccessful, unquote. And that's the end of the article. They decided to just end it with that. Some conservative guy who's running for office has unsuccessfully uh, filed lawsuits. It's not going to matter because the people complaining are jabbed and these institutions are jabbed to the bone. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to get worse quickly. And the students who were highlighted and the spokespeople who were highlighted in that article, they're not going to make it. Here's another one. This comes from the Herald and Review. It's titled, As Teacher Shortage Worsens, Illinois Schools Cast Wary Eye on Fall Reopening. And this was via also the Chicago Tribune. Uh, let's see. It starts by saying this, quote, For longtime educator and researcher Nancy Latham, uh, she's not a researcher, but anyway, it says the anticipated teacher shortages at Illinois schools this fall are far more than abstract pedagogically theories. On the contrary, with 55% of teachers who participated in a recent nationwide survey signaling they are considering leaving the profession, Latham is worried how the state's expected school employee shortages will affect the roughly 1.8 million Illinois students returning to the classroom for the start of the 2022-23 school year. Yeah. You think? They said, quote, when teachers are saying I can go to Amazon and make $22 an hour, I'm out of here. How do we respond? Unquote, said Latham, associate dean for the College of Education and executive director for the Council on Teacher Education at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. Quote, it will be very interesting to see how we're going to respond. See, they don't even know how they're going to respond, that she's so stupid that she's actually saying, quote, it will be interesting to see how we're going to respond. It's going to be weird to see what we decide to do. <laughs> I mean, she might as well be just saying that. She's openly admitting they have no plan because they have no plan. They can't have a plan. How do you plan for a how do you plan for something like this? How do you plan for a biological weapon that people were coerced into taking multiple doses of? You've now made it mandatory in endless school districts colleges, universities, etc., and you're wiping out the entire profession by your own hand and your own stupidity. It's remarkable. The times we are living in, ladies and gentlemen, right now are absolutely remarkable because the insane have the wheel, and they're driving this car right off a cliff, and they don't even know it, don't seem to care. They don't even stop to think about what they're doing. Good Lord. It says, quote, okay, I already said that, uh, quote, what will a school do if it has 50 kindergartners signed up for two classes, but the school has only one kindergarten teacher? Do you combine classes? No, you don't. You don't. You close the school, and that's what's going to happen. Exhausted, overwhelmed, and anxious, and heading into their fourth school year teaching during the COVID-19 pandemic, educators across the U.S. are facing unprecedented hardships that some say are exacerbating critical shortages of school employees. You have no idea. You have no idea. It's, I'm going to bounce around this article because it's very long, although remarkably informative. It says, quote, staffing is a significant challenge for us and shortages are trending a little bit higher than they were last year. You don't say, said uh, Tony Sanders, the superintendent of School District Unit 46. Sounds like a shipping container. Or a jail or something. Uh, he said the district is searching this summer for candidates to fill 177 certified teaching positions and has 121 vacancies for paraprofessionals to staff the district's 53 schools, enrolling about 36,000 students in pre-K through 12th grade. This is one school district. Just one. You know, I was having this conversation with my dad just the other day. We were rolling this one around. 
and we were talking about substitutes. And the reason that the schools closed also, one of the variables, of course, in the box of variables, as to why the schools closed the way that they did and as frequently as they did, of course, wasn't just because of the sick and the sick employees not being able to get out of bed, but the lack of substitute teachers. Now, again, why is there a lack of substitute teachers? Because the people on the outside see what's crumbling on the inside of the building. Why would they want to go there? That's number one. Number two, even if, again, they're getting paid a hundred some odd dollars a day, and a lot of school districts, by the way, have raised that price for a substitute's daily wage because, again, they're having a hard time finding them. So that's the first thing. The second thing, even a jabbed substitute teacher wouldn't want to do it because if they're closed because of illness, why would they want to enter an ill building with people who, again, have AIDS and are walking around jabbed in a high 5G environment? Why would they want that? Again, they're not paying attention to the 5G aspect. I fully understand because they're brainwashed on that issue, but they are thinking about even though they themselves are jabbed, they're still saying to themselves, well, I, I, I don't want to get sick. Why would I go there when, when they're closing because they're all sick? Again, this is exactly what the Substack article was about. They have placed themselves in a position that forces their hand. They have to make a move. It's their turn. It's the school district's turn now. They have to, they have to decide on something. Whatever they decide, quite literally, Whatever they decide will be their undoing and will continue to contribute to their undoing. They have backed themselves into a position again where they don't have a choice. They're not going to close the doors on themselves yet. That's coming. But in the meantime, every move that they make is just adding to that problem and adding actually to that inevitability. And I'm not crying over this at all. I'm 100% fine with these schools closing because it will force the individual, ladies and gentlemen, to learn on their own because, yes, it is possible. If you can read and you can write, you can teach yourself. God love it. <clears throat> it continues. A Chicago public school spokesperson said the district's recruitment and retention efforts are ongoing and have grown in the past several years. What? The Chicago public schools has a hard time finding employees. Weird. Why would that be? Jabs aside, I can't for the life of me figure out why people wouldn't want to teach in the Chicago public school system. Hmm. Strange. It says this year, CPS administration, college, uh, Chicago Public Schools, set school budgets a month earlier than prior years to help schools plan and hire for the 2022-23 school year for the district's roughly 626 schools, which had a 2.7% teacher vacancy rate at the end of the school year and had unprecedented success in hiring a diverse pool of candidates for 2022. Said spokesperson, who's going to be dead soon, Mary Fergus. This article is huge. It's just one stupid quote from one triple jab moron to another. Again, over and over and over again. A 2.7% turnover rate, or vacancy rate, rather. I'm telling you, if it hits 11%, it's game over. If it hits 20%, forget it. Forget it. And as I say in the Substack article, these levies that they're going to push forward and attempt to put on ballots in the upcoming election for all these school districts, I mean, they're going to try that. And you had better not vote for them. I'm telling you right now, anybody listening to this, you had better not vote for any levy whatsoever because that's the next move that they have to make. They are in financial dire straits right now. They took the COVID money, they spent it on new windows, new roofs, you know, AC units, whatever, because it's, you know, it's airborne. We're all going to die. It's airborne. 
they told everybody that, and then they were allowed to spend their 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 CARES Act money on that and all that ESSER money. But what they don't know that they and they've also, I might add, bought up property because they're in they're in the real estate business. These school districts also, but they're going to have to sell that, and then that money is going to run out too. And then they're going to line their own pockets before the doors close. Make no mistake, when, when the collapse comes, if they're still alive, which will be odd, but if they are, um, they will line their pockets on their way out the door. These, these school board members, superintendents, etc., they just will. Again, job over, uh, let's see, net loss of about 600000 says the National Education Association based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics when it comes to educators. There were approximately 10.6 million educators working in the public education system in January 2020, and there's a net loss of 600,000. This is an incredible article. Again, just lots of dumb quotes from stupid people and spokespeople, and we can't for the life of us figure out what's going on. It's easier to make money on the internet than it is to be a school teacher. Well, no kidding. Why is that? Maybe it's because the environment is shit. Maybe it's because the the things you do in said environment are awful. You're not fooling anybody anymore. And now, of course, they have directly led to their own collapse, which is absolutely incredible. Okay, moving on here. Uh, just a few headlines I'd like to read. This comes from basedunderground.com. Spike protein syndrome is sweeping America as deadly disorders are springing up out of nowhere post-COVID vaccination, quote-unquote. Weird. Yep, the jabbed are still getting ill, and that's not going to go away. Breitbart. Air Force cannot discharge troops who filed for religious exemptions from vaccine mandate. Good. A district court in the Southern District of Ohio on Thursday morning issued a temporary restraining order prohibiting Air Force from enforcing, I'm sorry, prohibiting the Air Force from enforcing the vaccine mandate against any airman who has filed a request for a religious accommodation according to court documents. It's a small positive move in a small positive direction, but um, the elimination again of our military as a result of these bioweapons, is purposeful. Always has been, always will be. That's an ongoing thing. This comes from the Daily Mail. Health experts are quitting the National Institute of Health and the CDC in droves because they're embarrassed by quote-unquote bad science, including vaccinating children under five to make their advice palatable uh, to the White House, doctors claim. And it's also because their colleagues are becoming ill, and they're getting very sick, and some of them are dying. Back to the Air Force thing real quick. I read this on GreatAwakening.win the other day, and it came from, I think, 4chan. And, uh, and I want to read this. And it's titled, Possibly Happening, or Possible Happening, rather. Uh, and again, it's anonymous, so bear with it. Although, this is conceivable, ladies and gentlemen. This is certainly happening. It says, quote, I work for a group of major airlines at a big international airport, and I've been noticing a trend lately. Over the last two weeks on every single flight we have coming in from Europe, we have been getting several calls for emergency medical service for passengers on arrival. Bear in mind, anyone arriving from outside the U.S. has to be vaccinated against COVID-19 to enter the U.S. It says this isn't an isolated issue from a passenger from any one country. This is affecting people arriving from several different countries. Most of the medical issues we are having to deal with every day now with, okay, now is with strokes and heart attacks. The most common medical issues I have seen in the last five years is nausea and motion sickness. To have several people every single flight arriving all experiencing chest pains, both young and old, is incredibly disturbing and unheard of. There is something going on and it's not just localized. Turn on a flight tracker to find aircraft squawking 7,700 or 7,700, 7, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it is a code that aircraft 
send out to alert that they have an emergency on board, whether that be a mechanical or medical, which nine out of 10 times are mechanical. Before COVID, it was relatively rare occurrence. It was a relatively rare occurrence, maybe five to 10 times a day worldwide. Over the last month, it has increased to 50 to 75 a day worldwide. Now seeing it in person every single day is pretty insane to me and all of my colleagues. If it's actually happening, we are definitely feeling it in the aviation industry, unquote. Again, the very act of jabbed people flying indicates that they are blind, that they do not know what is going on, not a clue, no risk of blood clots. You know, you're not seeing people, I assume, the average teenager who has been jabbed walking around with circulation socks so their blood doesn't pool, you know, around their ankles as they're on these airplanes. Flying is quite literally the most dangerous thing you can do right now if you're jabbed, and the jab is the most dangerous thing that is in you right now. It's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, here's another scenario, and this is a quick little story time. I have an extended family member who is wide awake, and they will send me stories from time to time, and I've read some of the stories that they have sent me here, and I've even told some, some of the stories that she's passed along. Uh, she had two interactions with a couple of individuals. One is a friend of hers who is far left and jabbed, and the other was with a nurse. She was in the nurse's office, um, and she was receiving a mammogram. I don't recommend mammograms, by the way, they cause cancer. But either way, with that aside, <clears throat> the nurse inside of the office apparently asked her if she was boosted. She said no. She said, are you vaccinated in any form? And she said no. She said, well, the reason that I'm asking is simply because we've had a lot of vaccinated individuals who receive mammograms um, end up with swelling lymph nodes as a result after the fact. And so I just, I just wanted to get that on record and, and just make sure that, you know, you either were or you were not and just let you know of the potential hazards associated with that. You see, that right there is, is an example of how I think some of these nurses who are jabbed are waking up the hard way because they're seeing this at face value. Uh, through their own blurry lenses, and those lenses are becoming a little clearer. The problem, however, is that when they become crystal clear, there's going to be a mirror in front of their face, and they're going to be forced to reflect on what they have done to themselves and countless other people. And that's going to be a very, very difficult pill to swallow. I don't think it's an accident that there's now a national suicide hotline that has been set up. I believe the number is 988. Um, this is going to, this, this is in direct response to, again, the cognitive decline of the jabbed, along with people recognizing what they have done, not only to themselves, but to other people, in particular within the medical profession. So there's that. The other story, again, she said that she was talking again with a friend of hers who is far left, and uh, I believe they ended up losing their husband as a result of either a heart attack, I believe. And uh, she ended up saying, isn't it odd that uh, her left friend ended up saying, isn't it odd that uh, apparently, uh, you know, heart attacks are on the rise or, you know, that uh, s some of these shots can cause problems with, with people's hearts. And again, you know, she's just looking back at her going, uh-huh, I know. Yeah, that's, that's the way it's been since the start. It's not just a new thing. It's been this way since, well, forever. And as I've even read, and as you've heard me read in the Pfizer documents, same stuff. All of that information is there. Again, you know, when the jabbed are coming across some of this information, they're thinking it doesn't apply to them. They're injected with the same things, but they're thinking, well, it's just this other person, or maybe they had other comorbidities, quote unquote. It's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. And again, I, I just don't know if they can actually wake up fast enough. I don't think it's possible. 
I just don't think it's possible. There's another post here, however, again, that really is, uh, this is thought-provoking as well. We know that they're ramping up the false flags. They've been doing that with regularity. But this stuff about nuclear attacks now, this is wild. And uh, this comes again from greatawakening.win. And it's titled this before I actually get into the actual article itself. The title of the post is, quote, Why is Medscape announcing that hematologists, blood doctors, are ready to jump in and treat acute radiation sickness from a nuclear attack? This article is being emailed out to doctors all across America, yet almost no one is talking about it in the mainstream media. And I'm going to read just a little bit of this. It's rather long. But uh, it says the following, and this was dated July 12th. It says, it's titled, If Nuclear Disaster Strikes, U.S. Hematologists Stand Ready. Oh, do they? It's (laughs) unbelievable. It says, for many Americans, especially those too young to know about how I'm sorry, about the Cold War or Hiroshima, Russia's invasion of Ukraine might mark as the first time they've truly considered the dangers of nuclear weapons. (laughs) Who believes this? That's right, doctors do, because they believe everything that's emailed to them. It continues, it says, but dozens of hematologists in the United States already know the drill and have placed themselves on the front lines. These physicians stand prepared to treat patients exposed to radiation caused by nuclear accidents or attacks on U.S. soil. That's the first paragraph. They are, they're prepping people for something. They're prepping people for something like this. Again, whether it's fake, whether it's real, large, small, I'm not sure. But again, there was that Video bouncing around about nuclear attacks in New York City and uh, hide under your desks and cover your heads. Um, That will apparently prevent a nuclear attack or keep you from getting sick. But, uh, you know, why didn't everybody do that with COVID, quote unquote? It continues here and it says they work nationwide at 74 medical centers that make up the radiation injury treatment network ready to manage cases of acute radiation syndrome, ARS, during disasters. While RITN keeps a low profile, I don't know what RITN stands for, Um, it's been in the news lately amid anxieties about the Ukraine conflict, nuclear plant accidents, and the potential launching of nuclear weapons by foreign adversaries. Who believes this? I'm asking it again. Who believes this? It says, quote, the Radiation Injury Treatment Network helps plan responses for disaster scenarios where a person's cells would be damaged after having been exposed to ionizing radiation, Program Director Cullen Chase Jr. MPA said in an interview. A U.S. Army veteran who took part in a hurricane response early in his career, Chase now oversees preparedness activities among all RITN hospitals, blood donor centers, and cord blood banks in readiness for a mass casualty radiological incident. He also serves as a senior manager of the National Marrow Donor Program. Be a match marrow registry. In the wake of 9 11, the National uh, Marrow Donor Program and the American Society for Blood and Marrow Transplantation established the RITN in 2006. It continues, there's a couple of subsections titled Hematologists Specially Equipped to Treat Radiation Industries. Disaster Response Poses Multiple Challenges. Training goes beyond transplants and drugs, and here's how hematologists can get involved. Honest to God, if this is being emailed to doctors, they're believing it. They're just believing it. They're prepping them for resources for some false flag thing. Now, again, let's analyze just quickly, and it doesn't take much analysis, but the plans of the enemy. Every single time that a new revelation comes out, that exposes them, they have to pull the trigger on something else. Again, going back to schools here, 
they're going to lock people down again, I bet. They're definitely going to be closing schools, but it's not going to be because of COVID. It's going to be because of the jab injured and the jabbed dying. This nuclear thing adds a whole nother, it adds a whole nother element to, to the entire scenario here. And again, if this is white hat driven, the white hats have to pull something like this and, and lead people to believe that something like this could happen under a Biden administration, quote unquote, even though he's not the legal president and everybody knows that, you know, Donald Trump is still the president of the United States. But seemingly among the brain dead, they think that Biden is the president, which means all of these nefarious scenarios have to play out on Biden's watch. They have to. This is, I think, part of the wake up program. This is part of getting people to understand that this chaos is all preventable. And that, of course, much of it is manufactured and, com- uh, and basically a complete lie. But uh, again, this is next level. And th- if that's being emailed to doctors and nurses and they're drinking this stuff in, well, then something is definitely planned. There's, I, I don't think, any doubting that whatsoever. I'll end this episode by saying this. I've seen a couple of videos now, and I know I've sort of been bouncing around in this in this particular episode. My apologies. There's just a ton of stuff. I'm trying to organize it as best I can, but it seems to be all jab-related. Um, I've seen a couple of videos now of individuals, and one of them was Viva, the lawyer from Canada, uh, rather well-known, certainly recognizable. And he receives a phone call from the Canadian government asking about their daughter's vaccine status and whether or not she's quarantined, having now come back to Canada from the United States. And I saw another video again of a couple being stopped at the airport. They have their passports confiscated and, you know, they're asked all kinds of questions about their vaccine status, quote unquote. Um, the, I mean, the government has always been clamping down in Canada, but again, I don't specifically have eyes and ears there. I know that people have emailed me in the past and please, please do so if you have more information about the traveling aspect of what's going on to and from Canada. But, uh, apparently the government has absolutely no problem calling up these individuals who have traveled and then asking them about, again, their vaccine status. And of course, they already know it, I'm certain, by the time they call. But I want to play this audio and uh, give this a listen, because again, this is the phone call apparently that Viva received from the Canadian government regarding the quarantine status of their daughter. I am an Okay. Uh, I confirm that yes, we arrived in Canada Tuesday. Okay, and our market indicated that she is a unvaccinated traveler entering Canada. Yeah. Unvaccinated um, traveler entering Canada who do not meet the Canadian definition of fully vaccinated are required to be in quarantine for a minimum of 14 days. Is she under quarantine as Oh, excuse me, in virtue of what is she supposed to be in quarantine for 14 days? Yes. No, in virtue of what? Because she's got unvaccinated. No, but, but what, what, that, that's, uh, that's not my understanding of the law. What do you mean by your understanding of what the provision, law? What provision of law are you suggesting requires my daughter to be in 14 days of quarantine? Um, she's under the federal quarantine act, sir. No, but what provision of law is it? Because I, I, I know the I know I've read the quarantine act. I've I've studied the quarantine act. Okay. What what provision of law? Because she tested negative. We've had COVID uh-huh. within the last hundred and eighty days. I understand that, so she's not required to be tested again. But since she's not a fully vaccinated traveler entering Canada, she's required to be in quarantine for. Under what provision of law? 
Sir, the international, uh, sir, the Quarantine Act. That's the place. No, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've, I've read the Quarantine Act. There is nothing in it that. I understand, it for... sir. Uh, if you go on Canada.ca/slash/COVID. 19 coronavirus, you will see unvaccinated um, travel entering Canada are required to be in quarantine for 14 months. I, I, I'm not sure that, that I don't believe that's the, the, the law. Yes, she is. She's required to be in quarantine. She's, she is, yep, she's 12 years old, so therefore she's required to be in quarantine. Ladies and gentlemen, there are too many of them. There are too many government employees that will just do what they are told. Again, whether it's for the paycheck, whatever it is, they're jabbed, their minds are already gone, whatever it is. There are still too many of them, not just in Canada, but in the United States too. There are too many of them. And if the government again pulls the trigger on more lockdowns or mask wearing or quarantines or whatever it is, jabs, you can't enter this building unless you're jabbed. You can't get your teeth cleaned at the dentist unless you're jabbed. If they kick this up again in any form or fashion, I think that the pushback is going to be greater this time. But um, absolutely wild is about all I can say. It's just wild. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.